Welcome to Creatively Anzi, Stories, Plays and Poems. This story is called The Galactic Confessionary and it is, this is the blurb. As host to one of the most powerful confessionaries in the galaxy, Shosana has advised some of the deadliest beings alive. There is no secret she hasn't heard of or situation she wasn't able to fix. Aside from her own secret, that is. High Angel Seth is the youngest High Angel in existence. And it's his job to punish and neutralise wayward angels, immortals and mortals, along with any threats that break and challenge angelic law. Shoshana's existence is a threat to angelic law. But despite her existence challenging everything Seth believes in, he is compelled by her. And the Elder Council needs Shoshana's skills to uncover a new powerful weapon that has the ability to kill immortals. The Galactic Confessionary. Chapter 1. The Sin. Shoshana. Shosa sat down in the booth just like any other day to hear the confessions of others. She'd been working at the Galactic Confessionary for nearly four years, a seemingly unorthodox but strangely necessary place the universe's elite to the most decrepit came to unburden themselves of all manners of sin, debauchery and the occasional heroic deed. Their voices augmented before being transmitted via radio waves to the furthest reaches of the galaxy. As current host of the GC, it was her job to listen then offer advice if the client had paid, and sometimes even when they hadn't. It wasn't an easy job, but it fell perfectly in line as her role as part-time advisor to some of the most powerful mortals in the, the galaxy. She'd also dedicated several years of becoming Casimir, but she'd still been hesitant when she'd been offered the role as host for the GC by one of the most powerful confessionaries in the universe. The anonymity and pay had certainly swayed her. But what had really sealed the deal was the promise that the confessionary's next location would be on Earth, aka Earth-1, because of course there were two Earths. Turns out all those scientists were right about climate change. In a desperate attempt to save humanity from extinction, a group of brave souls has volunteered a one-way trip to Mars. The good news was, Mars was a viable option. Bad news, it was already inhabited. And yeah, the Martians weren't too keen on the idea of being colonised. Instead of sending the humans back to their fate, they put them in touch with the Galactic Federation. Deals were made and ta-da, fresh, uninhabited planet. Earth 2, the planet of the valiant souls who went in search of the new planet, aka Valencia. In the four years she'd worked at the GC, she'd grown attached to the planet she'd been born on and become almost comfortable in her role, convincing even the deadliest of beings to recant their wrongdoings and at least attempt to make amends. Yeah, there wasn't much that surprised her and her current client was no different. Pray tell, what advice may you impart upon me, wise advisor? Her client asked in Gonzarian, his regal voice earnest. You already know the answer to that. Forming an alliance is in everyone's best interest. It'll also help with your investigations into these new weapons. She paused as she almost used his real name. Her client's identities was something she was mere fanatical about protecting, regardless of what crimes they had committed. Okay, maybe that wasn't completely true. She did work with a certain detective she'd known for several decades, whom she occasionally steered in the right direction. But when it came to other crime prevention agencies, her answer was a resounding no. She trusted few and communicated with even less. Her current client could almost be called a regular. Emperor to an entire solar system, several of the planets he benevolently ruled over worshipped him as a god, and the weight on his shoulders ruling over eight planets was a heavy one. As always, your advice is sound, he said, then paused, and said in a lower voice so it wouldn't be picked up by the microphone. 
whilst I am certain that this new alliance shall bring about more clarity concerning these new weapons. The likelihood is, you know more than us. What news have you? Just whispers, she responded, and briefly told him what she knew. That is more than whispers, advisor. Certainly more than my, what my top advisors know. Pray tell, is it true it can kill immortals? Yes, she said, and paused before saying, I have heard that the Galactic Federation has made it their top priority. I wouldn't be surprised if they formally request the angels to make it their mission priority. Only if it can kill them. There are immortals, then there are angels. Do not mistake the two. Requesting angelic help is always a complicated matter, and for them to go as far as to make it their mission priority, that shall be interesting. I shall frequent here again soon, and pray tell, have more information ready for me. Of course, Shoza responded. Till the next time, my wise profiler, he responded at a normal volume. Apologies, Casimir. Pray tell, what is the difference, or should I just stick to calling you an advisor? As host of the GC officially, I'm an advisor. The difference between a profiler and a Casimir is close. Both study behaviour and characters to ascertain what motivates people to do a certain things, but a Casimir is not limited to just criminals. I like to study your people and form an opinion. Shoza explained. It wasn't the first time someone had asked about her lauded Casimir training. And that opinion changes the way you interact with them and the advice in which you give. Combine that with your training as a therapist and it's no wonder you are so good at advising me and pulling secrets out of others, he said. And she heard him press a button to activate the teleporter that was directly inside the booth. Shoza ended the transmission. The station would play music until she went on air again. She drummed her fingers on the smooth metallic surface of the ledge as she looked at the four wooden walls made from recycled wood chips. Almost gave the place an antique feel, except of course the sleek sofas that were made from synthetic soft cashmere and the snack dispenser and the top of the line security. Okay, who was she kidding? This place looked like the inside of a cockpit. A very large and fancy cockpit that had technology that had taken her months to learn the basics. She could control the entire three-story building from here teleport to another planet if she wanted to. Speaking of space travel, she slid her hand over the button for the teleporter. She could be an Evermore with two jumps, warn Evan. He'd written to her about the weapons almost three weeks ago. But if she responded to him, then she'd have to respond to the twins, to Nara and Kweku, undoing all of the distance she'd been trying to create. She shook her head. There were always threats and they could handle them, had been handling worse without her recent involvement. That's what enforcement was for. And like she told Magnus, the Galactic Federation was investigating the new weapons. What should I do? She said aloud, then waited. And right on cue, she got this strange feeling in her chest guiding her to, okay, we've well, spoken about this. No more talking to yourself and no more listening to that feeling. If Chase was awake, he'd probably tell her that listening to her strange feeling, spidey senses, the force, or maybe it was an instinct, whatever it was usually led her to saving people. But then it also ended up, landing her in a lot of dangerous situations, not to mention exposure. And after Bilal, she'd sworn to stop putting herself, and more importantly, other people, in situations where they could... An urgent knock on the door had her jumping a foot, and she told herself to get a grip. It was just another client coming to confess. Late walkings were uncommon for her Saturday evening. A Friday night and Sunday morning, yes, there was usually a queue. Up the feed on one of the 620-inch monitors in front of her, for the front entrance. In keeping with basic laws of confessionaries, they weren't, strictly speaking, allowed any cameras, so they used detectors that could register body heat, pulse, perfume, basically everything but an image. The clients she knew the name of, she'd either guessed or been told privately, especially regulars like Magnus. 
The sensors assured her that these two humanoid-looking people had slightly elevated heartbeats, but that was normal. Seeing nothing out of the ordinary for this place, she shrugged and rattled off the practice speech about the rules of confessing and paying extra for advice. She stilled as several large priceless jewels were deposited. The machine assured her they were real. Are you sure you don't want any advice? Shuza asked, staring at a diamond the size of an apple, before it de deposited straight into a safe that teleported to the owner of the confessionary. Because contrary to popular belief, Shuza didn't actually make that much money working here. We only want our, vo our story heard by all, a beautiful feminine voice said in Rubari. Sure thing. If you wish to impart your knowledge upon us, advisor, we will gladly accept it. A masculine voice interrupted, the deep baritone of the voice unintentionally sensual. Shows aside, let me guess, royals, and your planets are warring, you'll run away together, heedless of your responsibilities, Romeo and Juliet, except you actually managed to run. Well, at least they'd had the good sense to grab some priceless jewels, they weren't totally brainless, like some hopeless romantics she'd seen. It was all fun and games until reality caught up and they realised they couldn't live on hopes and dreams. Okay, that was harsh. Someone clearly needs to get laid. What had Damien said the other day? Oh yeah, cobwebs. Shows pressed the button to admit the wealthy couple and heard them walk through the short corridor and into the booth opposite her. Is the, is the teleporter inside the booth active? The male voice asked in Rubarian. But unlike his lover, he didn't have a Rubarian accent. Yes, shows assured him and wondered what someone with a voice that sexy looked like. If it was anything like his voice, then she understood the woman's need to run away. Shows shook her head as she bit down on a laugh and said, the, this place has the top grade in security there. No system will ever keep away who hunt us, he, un he interrupted. Of course, of course, Shosa said, her tone placating, and tried not to roll her eyes. They could get on with the epic romance. She was starting to get a headache from her instinctual feeling, which for some reason was stronger than she'd ever felt. There is no need to disguise our voices. We intend to state who we are for the record, the compelling male voice said. Okay, this was new. They were brazen. I shall announce my name and tell my side of the story. Then you shall do the same, my love. The woman said in Rubari as Shosa hit the live button. My name is Kaya Van Clare of the Rubari Nation and I wish... She hesitated. I ask my parents for their forgiveness for the hell I'm about to unleash and state for the record. They know nothing of what transpired between me and... And my one true love. They had a flair for the dramatic, good for ratings, and Shosa had to admit she was interested. I now believe in the concept of soulmates. I knew something was missing from my life, but I did not know what, until I met the person who had the other half of my soul. I am in love with someone I shouldn't, well not shouldn't, but can't be in love with, to his family, to his whole planet, to the galaxy, no one is deserving of, of his kind. I know it's wrong, I am nothing in the face of him, but somehow my heart did not get the message, and nor did his. We are different species, we may look alike, poor replicas of course, she paused. Shosa was gripping her seat. As far as she knew, Rubarians were allowed to marry anyone of similar species. They were in the top 20 list for the Galactic Federation's Universal Planets list of peaceful and intelligent life. Their people had inspired the myths of fairies on Earth with their ethereal looks. They were a peace-loving planet, so what planet could it be that was so against their coupling? I understand the logic, Kaya went on. I get the argument that has been had for centuries, that that they cannot mate outside their own race. They are too powerful and important to the balance of the universe, Kaya said in a rush, the words flowing out of her rapidly and uncontrolled. Shosa began to feel a sense of dread, as a sickly feeling of fear slowly washed over her, and she felt her hand drift to the switchblade strapped to her thigh, and her heart sped up, her muscles tensing as she prepared to flee. Even here on Earth, I mean no offence, 
but even the most lawless place abides by that one rule. So what does that make me? My soul has mated with his. Do not leave until we are finished, advisor, the man whispered. She was a glance down and hadn't even realised that not only had she gotten up, but she was currently turning the door handle. She removed her hand and sat down and told herself to get a grip, because surely there was no possible way that my name is Zachary, House of Eli, Family, Guardian, Angel. Shosa froze, and she was sure her soul departed her body, closely followed by her heart. Because if an angel... But then how could they know? They couldn't. They didn't know. This was about them and their unholy life-ending, universe-altering love affair. This wasn't about her. They didn't know. And if she kept her call and he didn't read her mind, then she was fine. We embarked upon a love affair that we knew was doomed from the start, Zachary said in Rubarin, his deep voice low, urgent and rapid, able and unwilling to do anything else but love each other. I knew it was wrong. No, I was told it was wrong. But I knew. I knew nothing in my existence could compare, could ever come close to the feeling of when she looked at me with love in her eyes. I cannot and will not deny the purity of love, especially when I should have been allowed this, but was stopped because of something I saw because of... By the archangels, I am being compelled to speak the truth, the angel said. Compelled? Shosa stuttered, confused. The insistent humming of her heart was making it difficult for her to focus on anything. You understood what I just said just now, he said, his voice soft and strangely full of fear. Shosa's brow frowned and she realised that he spoken in the language of angels, a language that you couldn't learn but had to be born knowing. She saw the door to her booth being opened and she didn't even think to teleport out as the door was yanked open. Bright canary yellow wings that contrasted richly against his deep mahogany skin filled her field of vision. He was so beautiful that for a moment she was held captive over his inhumanly good looks. A small, clearly deranged part of her mind noted that his voice, however captivating, did nothing to convey exactly how otherworldly this angel's face, not to mention his entire body, was. A petite woman poked her head around the corner, her large eyes widening further. That is, she looks like... Shosa blinked, her face colouring, as Zachary put a finger to his lips and gestured for Shosa to turn the transmission off, fear alive in his gaze. You know what I am, Shosa said slowly. Zachary nodded, and despite just confessing an unforgivable sin live on radio, he was looking at Shosa as though her days were numbered, because he knew. Somehow he knew what she was. Time is of the essence. I will try to be concise because I fear your compulsion is so strong, he said, putting a hand to his head as though he had a headache. You must relax. Your fear is making it stronger. My what? Shosa stammered. Your ability, he repeated when Shosa still looked lost. He glanced at Kea. What would she know of your kind? Kea reminded gently. That you know so little of her kind shames me, Zachary said, turning to Shosa. You are aware, I'm sure, that all angels have accelerated healing, speed, strength, and are telepathic. But what is not common knowledge, there are gifted few of us who have more abilities, such as yourself. You can compel the truth from people with your mere presence alone. Not everyone who walks through these doors always has the intention of telling you the truth. He took a step forward and Shosa took a step back. You are right to fear me. Fear angels. If the angels who hunt us know the face of your mother, then you shall be wiped from existence. But there is a chance. Your mother's face has been seen by only a handful of angels, and Joseph felt a soft brush against her mental shields. Your mind is unnaturally strong. Brow frowned as he stared at Shosa. After years of being on the run for fear of discovery and dodging every angel she had ever come across, it was odd to speak to one so openly. 
She'd always imagined the first time ever speaking to one of these beings would be quickly followed by oblivion. But Zachary was oddly approachable, or maybe that was her growing hysteria, which was clearly causing her delusion. Come with us, Kay said encouragingly, as she looked at Shoza with bright green anime-worthy eyes. That matched her skin almost perfectly. Zachary was prevented from falling merely because he knew what your mother looks like. I cannot begin to fathom what they shall do to you, should you ever be discovered. This seer must have brought us here for a reason, Kaya said turning to Zachary, who was still staring at Shoza. Shoza didn't understand a word she had said. Her mind was reeling, overloaded with too many ideas, the loudest one being to flee as far and as fast as she could possibly go. A knee-jerk reaction, one that usually served her well. But this time, strangely, her instincts, her strange feeling she got, had calmed down and was telling her to stop and to stay. Seer only advised in terms of masses. At Shoza's confused look, Zachary explained that a seer had told them to confess their love at this particular confessionary. If the seer told you to come to this particular confessionary, then they must have had foreseen something. For you to come with us, of course, Kay insisted. I want to, but I can't, Shoza stammered, because her instincts were screaming at her. Not to run away, but to stay. I can't explain it. It's my instincts. Zachary's gaze sharpened at her use of the word instinct, and he stared at her for a long moment. If your instincts are guiding you to stay, then you must trust them, no matter how at odds it may seem to what your mind is urging you to do. We cannot thank you enough, advisor. I know what is costing you after running for so long. Shoza swallowed hard, her instincts telling her to stay. That if she fled with them, like her mind was telling her to do, then she'd doom them all. Maybe she was crazy. Or maybe her instincts that were always landing her in trouble was an angelic ability. Her mother was the parent that was an angel. She'd always wondered, by the gods, what was wrong with her? She was refusing the only help she'd ever been offered to escape her fate. Go, Shoza said, before she could change her mind and hop on the first telepad with them. You are the daughter of one of the nine. Never forget that, Zachary said, before they both teleported out. Shoza's legs gave away. As she slumped down on the ground, her eyes burned with the tears she refused to shed. She was dead. That much she knew for certain. She'd always known that she couldn't outrun her fate forever. There was no going down fighting when it came to the angels. It was why she'd formed as little attachments as possible. The less people knew, the less she could people she could hurt. She walked out to the booth and went to the window and took a deep, steadying breath. The air pure and clean. Cleaner than it probably had ever been. The angels had used a technology that felt more like magic to reverse all the damage the earthlings had done. That's what they did. They came in and saved people. To all mortals and most immortals, angels were like benevolent gods. That was if you obeyed their rules, because once you crossed them, then you'd better wish for the devil instead. A demanding knock on the door had her rethinking escaping. Shoshana, it's me, Levi, Detective Levi shouted. Open the door, please. I ought to be the first here. We've got every mercenary porting in, pirate jets landing this way. I think they want to torture information out of you and capture the couple and return them to the Federation for reward. With shaking fingers, Shoza slowly opened the door. She was pulled into a hug. I'm so sorry you had to endure that. Shoza stood back and looked at him and wondered if the angels would wipe his mind as well. She had to protect. She had to at least pretend. Just another confession. Part of the job, Shoza said, going for nonchalance and failing miserably. Levi gave her a look of complete disbelief before turning and issuing instructions to what had to be nearing two dozen troops who poured in after him. Shoza wanted to ask them to leave, but she found her voice wasn't working well and pretending everything was fine to Levi would prove difficult, especially in front of so many. She gestured Levi over to her office down the corridor, a small, a small room she very rarely used since all the bookkeeping was done off-site by someone the owner had employed. T 
Tea? Water? Something stronger? Shosa said, trying to hide the tremor in her fingers. I'm on the job, but by the gods, I need something stronger. She poured him a glass of amber liquid. He took a sip and almost gagged. How the hell do you drink the stuff? That's 80% alcohol. I'm half human, remember? But I think most mortals would struggle to consume this much anyway, he said, watching her, his Martian side giving his skin and eyes a reddish tinge. Soja shrugged. She hadn't missed his emphasis on the word most. He knew she was something else, but she'd never told him, despite having known him since she was only eight years old. It was safer for him. Why are you here? She said, trying to keep her voice steady. I thought we talked about this. You only come down for information on a confession when it's very urgent. You call first. You you always call. Okay, she was losing her call. Anyway, I, I don't know where they are. They teleported out. You know the telepad we use here is untraceable. I wouldn't advise chasing down a guardian angel. How long would it take the angels to get here? A day? A few hours? They could fly, but they would still have to port in. And heaven was several light years away. I know you don't. And the Federation is just apprehensive over what the angels would do, so I volunteered to come here as soon as possible. Why would the Galactic Federation be apprehensive? Had the angels already told them? How would they spin things? Surely they wouldn't tell everyone she was half. More like painting her as some criminal. Had Levi come here to arrest her? Levi gave her an incredulous look as he took another swing of the drink she'd given him. Because it's angels? No one defies them. Shuzu, they're not like other mortals. They are law unto themselves. You know this. Officially, the Galactic Confederation oversees the laws of the United Allied Planets in the galaxy. But we both know that's just a front, a formality to make the masses believe that their vote matters. The angels wrote and enforced most of the laws. To defy angelic law is to court death. You know some people on my wife's planet of Midas One worship them as gods. Why are you telling me what I already know? Are you stalling for something? Because you never ramble, Shoza asks, casting suspicious eyes at the officers who loitered just outside, their eyes alert. I think it's best I be here when they arrive. Shoza narrowed her eyes. You are exceptionally diplomatic. Your ability to root out even the most obscure information is unparalleled. I trust your advice above my own sometimes. It's why I chose you as senior shadow advisor. That being said, when it comes to angels, you are extremely prejudiced. And you have an unusual aversion to their kind, he said gently. Why? Because I don't kowtow to them like everyone else in the universe? She said, a note of hysteria in her voice. She took a deep, steadying breath. You don't have to worry about me, Levi. I can be diplomatic. I will tell them what I told you. That I don't know where the couple are. Then maybe these angels can do something a little bit more useful with their time. Like finding out where these weapons that can kill immortals are. Levi sat up a bit little straighter as he put his glass down. She had purposely baited him and he hoped he went for it. The last time we spoke, you said you didn't know much. I still don't. Not nearly enough, she said seriously, glad for the change of subjects. But I can confirm that they are completely untraceable by the standard inspections. A new energy source, shaped like swords, but they emit a dangerous aura that can kill if exposed to it for too long. Easy to transport and even easier to get a hold of, but no one knows who is distributing them or what they are made of. I've been told by certain people, like the arms dealer you like to work with? Levi asked with a raised eyebrow. Shosa kept her face expressionless. You are so protective of those who don't always deserve it. But you know more than most. It has the vampires and elves rattled. I'm journeying to Flavia in a few hours to check on some leads. He whispered, then paused and regarded her for a long moment. Well done for distracting me. Why has this news of this couple affected you so much? An angel just confessed to having a soulmate that is immortal, live on air. All laws are broken at one stage or another, but the ones set by angels are never broken. The universe will be in uproar over this news, Shosa said instead of telling him the, him the truth, which was that in a few hours, maybe less, 
She wouldn't be interviewed by the angels. She would be killed. The universe, undoubtedly. But you personally? I don't see how. I understand and even admire your need to always jump in and help people, usually at the detriment of your own life. But that is not the case here, he leaned forward. What are you not telling me? Nothing, she said too quickly, then took a breath. I appreciate your concern, but I can handle this alone. There was disappointment in Levi's gaze, and too much understanding for Shoza to maintain contact for long. He got up slowly. Be careful when they come, Shoza. I've heard. Off the record, of course. You are to be questioned by higher angel Seth. He must have read the fear she could not hide. He squeezed her hand. I am here. No, Shoza said, snatching her hand back. Be there for your troops and your family. Do not be there for me. I'll keep a unit outside to ensure all these mercenaries that have been teleporting on Earth. Since the broadcast don't get any bright ideas, Levi said as he walked to the door. And Shoza, you are my family. Shoza looked away as her eyes burned with tears. So much for pretending so that he wouldn't see the fear that she had clearly done a piss-poor job in hiding. By the gods, she was dead. Either way, Seth! Higher Angel Seth, the youngest higher angel in existence, a powerful being amongst powerful beings. See her for what she was in an instance, and erase her from existence. Her only hope was that he'd kill her, and only her, and not erase the minds or even kill the people she knew. Chapter 2. The Higher Angel. Seth. The eleven angels landed as one, walking forward in formation. High Angel Seth led his legion, who flanked him on either side. The protesters outside the confessionary building held at bay by soldiers, fell silent at once, almost falling to their knees in respect. Seth didn't spare the mortals a glance, for so focused on the being that had been a whisper, a shadow, a liability that could not be allowed to exist, was inside the modest three-storey stone building. After hearing rumours for years, guardian angel Zachary's confession had tipped Seth off, because when Zachary had seen the host, he'd whispered to her in their native tongue. It wasn't what he'd said, was how he said it. Zachary was currently being hunted by dozens of angels, not to mention the universe's most ruthless mercenaries, but he'd been afraid both of her and for her. It was all Seth needed. He'd gone back and listened to the other transmissions, and the proof had been there for all of the universe to hear. Part of him was oddly impressed at how she'd hidden in plain sight. They reached the entrance and paused. I will go in alone, surround the building, Seth telepathed to his legion. They all nodded. Make sure the device is active. No one can teleport in or out. Then he turned and directed his thoughts only to his second-in-command, warrior angel Cassandra. Ensure that no one enters. She nodded once. Satisfied, he entered the building alone. Seth, like all angels, could read people's thoughts, but his telepathy was different. It didn't just grant him the ability to read minds. His power wanted to possess the minds as an active power. He couldn't turn it off, which meant he was constantly reeling in his ability so as not to destroy the minds around him. Only the strongest minds even had a hope of keeping him out, and fewer still were somehow immune from his immunity. And he was surprised to find that the host was part of that exclusive club. Seth walked down the short, wide corridor, his footprints soundless on the wooden floorboards. Two wooden doors faced him. Her thoughts buzzed noisily against his mind, her heart rate elevated, but her breathing steady. She was in the booth to the left. You are not afraid, he asked, curiosity overcoming him his hand stalling against the handle of the door. Should I be? Yes, Seth said, and he heard her heart rate jump. Confessions made here are privileged information unless you have a subpoena by the Galactic Federation. I am unable to share their location, she said, her voice surprisingly steady despite the rapid beat of her heart. Your trip here was wasted. 
which was not seth said softly guardian angel zachary and his rebarian consort k are inconsequential you are who i came for half-breed seth felt the flurry of her thoughts against his mind but they still remained indecipherable a few moments of charged silence before she took in a deep breath i will go willingly she said her voice overly formal no one knows what i am there is no need to hurt anyone i know I'm sure you know the only other person whom I told had his mind erased by your kind. Seth's brow frowned. As far as he was aware, only the Elder Council and the Seers knew of the existence of a half-breed, and none of them had ever had any contact with her, until now, which meant that someone else knew. He was about to question her further on this when she walked out of the booth. Seth took a step back. She gave him a perplexed look. Your name, he said, unbelieving of what he was seeing. Shosana? She stuttered. Cassandra, get in here, Seth thought quickly. Cassandra ran in, poised for battle, and skidded to a stop in front of Shozana. When he saw the look of absolute shock on Cassandra's face, when she glanced at the half-breed, he knew he was not in fact imagining it. How your angel, is she? She looks like... Stop, guard your thoughts. Her mind is exceptionally strong. Cassandra nodded slowly as she stared at Shozana with open fear. Seth placed his hand on the half-breed's shoulder, draining her energy. She began to fall unconscious to the floor before he caught her. Seth, Cassandra said. Hi, your angel, is she? Yes, she is the offspring of one of the nine archangels. Chapter 3. A Gathering of Power Xander glanced up as the door to his cage opened. Bright brown eyes full of fear so visceral it singed the hairs on his nose stared at him. You are right, the pathetic excuse for an immortal said, bowing so low that her chin grazed the hard-packed soil of his cage. You are certain? Xander asked, his tone ruthless, so called he saw the immortal shiver. Yes, mercenaries are reporting in, but they showed up and took her away. Alive? he spat. They took her away alive? Yes, sire, alive to your home planet. Fire Angel Seth led. Xander didn't remember moving, and he would have killed the immortal if it wasn't for the chains that yanked him back hard against the wall, draining his energy as it did so. He pulled against them and felt them strain. His power was returning but he wouldn't make a move until he was at full health, could not make a move until all his memories had been restored. Four guards ran into his cell. Xander still, but did not cower back. Sire, I'm ready to do anything, everything that must be done. We are ready, the guards said, and they all fell on bended knee before him. Xander caught the gaze of his fellow prisoner, who was in the cage adjacent. Rashida's grey eyes were steady, a slight smile tugging at her forelips, and she nodded once. Release me, Xander commanded. Chapter 4. Heaven. Shoshana. Rosa woke with a start and cast about wildly. She was in a room so beautiful, so artfully and tastefully decorated, that for a moment all she could do was look around in wonderment. Clearly the French neoclassical architectural style had been heavily influenced by this room. The walls were a pale gold, and the afternoon sun shining through the large bay windows made them shimmer like gold. The effect dazzling when it was coupled with the drops of rainbow created as the light caught the chandelier taking up residence in the centre of the room. Above a large table adorned with some of the most decadent and rare fruits from the deepest recesses of the known universe. She got up in a kind of trance and looked at the ceiling that depicted a lifelike muriel of cherubs gleefully fighting over a bag of fruits. Angels! Her mind screamed and she reached for the switchblade at her thigh. It was still there, but it did nothing to slow the rapid beating of her heart. She took a deep breath in, the oxygen purifying her. She'd never smelt air so pure, purer than anything on Earth or any other planet she'd ever been on. She was in heaven. She had to escape. She had to do something. But where would she go now that higher angel self wanted her dead? 
She'd actually had the gauze to speak to such a being that some planets worshipped as a god. Her legs began to feel weak and she almost face-palmed the floor. How would she ever survive? She probably wouldn't based on his reaction yesterday. What time was it? How much time had even passed? Her death was most likely being decided as she sat here marvelling at the decor. She laughed and the sound cut off almost comically when the door began to open. She tried to school her features into something more than awed disbelief as the dark angel stepped into the room. He was unlike anything she had ever seen and likely to ever see again. She spent so much time avoiding angels, even images of them, that she'd forgotten why it was most mortals would sell their souls just to stand near one of these immortal beings. Now she knew why, despite immortality not being exclusive to angels, no other being was worshipped as gods, because angels were so far removed from mortality that godliness was the closest comparison. Seth was no exception. It almost hurt to look at him, as if her half-mortal eyes couldn't look upon such beauty, shouldn't look into the eyes the colour of the sky at night, complete with tiny pinpricks of silver, framed by thick curly lashes that any other person may have made them their gaze soft and innocent. The thought made her almost smile, and he tilted his head to the side, making his raven dark hair fall to the side, and making her aware that she'd been staring at him all this time. She felt her face heat up, and took a deep breath to scent herself, which was clearly a mistake, as her mouth began to water. He smelt like warm summer's evening, carrying the lush scent of wood smoke cocoa, dark, decadent, utterly delicious. She swallowed, as her gaze strayed to his wings, the deep darkness of space, dusted with pinpricks of silver, a representation of the cosmos. They looked so soft, beautifully rich in texture, but she knew that they were stronger than diamonds. One feather was worth more than her weight in gold, and angels went around shedding this. You shouldn't exist, he said in the language of angels. His words were like a physical blow, and suddenly she felt fear such as she'd never known before. She hadn't realised it, but the air had changed when he'd walked in, his power so potent that it was affecting the very atoms in the air. Abruptly, she wondered if he'd come here to put her life to a very sudden end. Lusting after her executioner, a babble of laughter almost escaped her, and he narrowed his eyes. He was speaking. Had he been speaking the entire time? I have not yet passed judgment on whether you can continue your existence. You will. He spoke of her death so casually. When will I know if I can continue existing or not? She interrupted, because clearly she was feeling suicidal. She blamed the air. It was likely too pure, and was the cause of her psychotic break. You can't keep me here. It's against the universal code, she continued, when he remained silent. You mean the codes we helped write? Deadly edged his voice, his gaze, if possible, growing even more intense. So, she cleared her throat, envisioning herself handing him a shovel, as they both dug a nice clean patch for her final resting place. Do as I say, not as I do. He blinked and looked almost startled. You should have care in the way you address me, he said, it softly. Even his words were beautiful, the rich baritone almost musical. Abruptly, her fear evaporated and was replaced by a blistering and all-consuming anger. She'd lived a life dodging everything and everyone, forming little to no attachments, and after all of that misery she'd put herself through, and others through, it had amounted to nothing. She was caught and was to be killed for the crime of merely existing. What? She snapped. My life is worth nothing to you, and you're going to kill me anyway. And for what? Existing? Because I'm proof that your holier-than-thou race makes mistakes, breaks the rules? Seth's eyes flashed, and Shosa felt a ring in her ear as he took a step forward. Her heart beat a desperate rhythm in her chest, as though it knew the end was near and wanted to abandon ship. But, then, but when he spoke, his words were modulated and oddly reasonable. 
These are surprising words coming from the shadow senior advisor to the Galactic Federation. Shoza's eyes widen at his words. Her role was classified above top secret. Yes, we were aware the Federation, not to mention several powerful leaders, regularly sought your advice, which is why you of all people should know that our holier-than-thou race is the only thing that keeps certain mortals and immortals alike moral. You've said as much yourself on a number of occasions, even with our rules in place. Tell me, would the universe not fall into anarchy if the mortals did not fear our punishment? How can we then punish if we are not respected? Make no mistake, most mortals... It is fear that leads to respect. Your existence challenges this. Tell me I am wrong, Seth said. There was a challenge in his gaze. Shoza was surprised he'd given her a response instead of simply killing her for daring to challenge him. But she wondered if maybe his response was worse because he was right. If her role at the confession had taught her anything, it was that most mortals were moral out of fear of punishment, not out of the goodness of their hearts. Sometimes some of the most hardened criminals would be reduced to blubbering idiots at the mere mention of angels being called to interrogate them. You are not wrong, High Angel. I know this, Seth responded, his arrogance infused in every syllable. But that doesn't mean I'm wrong either, she shows a defended. Punishing a child for the mistakes of their parents is wrong. What would you do if you were punished because of your parents' action? Shosa stopped abruptly as Seth's eyes flashed dangerously and she took a step back as his wings unfurled and it seemed like he was going to end up killing her after all. When he suddenly paused, his head tilting to the side, and Shoza felt the soft brush of telepathic communication. His eyes were cold with fury for a long moment before he abruptly turned and strode to the door. Oh me, half-breed, he said, walking to the door. Shoza followed the higher angel into heaven. Chapter 5. The Elder Council. Shoza had to keep telling herself not to let her mouth hang open and not to gasp. The council of elders was sublime. Had the earthlings thought they'd come close when they claimed they'd created a near replica with their palace of Versailles, they'd grossly exaggerated. All the imitations she'd seen didn't come close. All works of arts and words paled in comparison to the real thing. It was beyond anything she had ever experienced. The whole place seemed to shimmer. The soft lights hanging from chandeliers overhead, even the floor beneath her seemed to hum with life. On any other day, with any other company, she would have had her face plastered against the stained glass windows in open awe, but she was currently walking to what had to be her doom, and despite her beautiful surroundings, that was all she could think of. She smiled even as her eyes smartened. She couldn't summon up the requisite amount of terror or fear. All she felt was oddly defeated. After a lifetime of raid, it was a little anticlimactic, but then she was never going to go on a blaze of glory. An angel wouldn't have to fight her, they would merely glance at her and she'd die. And to them that was a mercy. She'd stayed clear of any mention of angels, but rumours and stories had always leaked through. She felt a chill run down her spine, as fear threaded itself through her despite what she'd thought. At least they were giving her a trial. Beheading all thrown off a cliff, her smile widened. What is wrong with me? She sighed heavily and saw Seth still for a fraction before he continued, his steps measured and purposeful. Her gaze strayed to his wings. They seemed to absorb the very light around them. The colour was so pure, the representation of the night sky so absolute, that for a moment she felt entranced. They seemed so exceptionally soft, which seemed incongruous with the man himself. Nothing about Seth seemed like it should be soft, certainly not his athletic body that even clad in a crisp white shirt and dark trousers hummed with barely leashed power. 
the body of a warrior, of a god, of a, okay, she really needs to get a grip. He wanted her dead, had basically said as much not two minutes ago, was most likely leading her to her death. And here yet she was drooling over him like some immortal lusted mortal. Seth opened a door and gestured for her to walk in. Shoza stopped herself from complying. What are we doing here? She asked, hearing the defeat in her own voice. We are deciding if you can continue to live. Shoza blinked, taken aback, and had to fight the sudden threat of tears. She met his level gaze and threatened bodily harm to her eyes if they so much as start watering. When they didn't, she squared her shoulders and began to tell herself all she had survived before she was able to walk through the large double doors. Shoza faltered as she glanced up and tried not to be intimidated by the radiant beauty and power of the four members of the Elder Council. Elder Council of Heaven, I present to you for your judgment, Shoshana, Seth said, before walking forward and taking a seat amongst the council. Shoza, needing no further instruction, walked forward and bowed deeply before straightening. Never in our existence have we been faced with such a situation, a regal-looking angel said. She'd been human, Shoza would have assumed she had East African ancestry, her skin a smooth, raw umber colour that contrasted sharply with her lustrous gold wings, pencil-thin dreadlocks held in a complicated updo. She stared at Shoza with eyes of a stormy blue that held a frightening amount of power and a deep-seated ancient knowledge. She, just like the other members of the Elder Council, were intelligent, beautiful and powerful, a perfect representation of angel kind. It was intimidating, all the, their powerful and a few disapproving eyes on her. She felt mortal, ordinary, and a strange need to come clean about all her past wrongs stole over her, compelling her to be honest, to be. The room has my ability, she thought suddenly. No wonder Seth had left her side so quickly. She didn't know how, but there were, where she was standing was forcing her not only to be honest, but to reveal her deepest and darkest secrets. If they had something like this in human courts, it would have made convicting criminals much easier. She wanted it. As it stands, we are still deciding if it is in fact wise to allow you to continue existing. Personally, I think it is not. Shoza flinched at the words spoken by an arrogant voice of an angel who was a few shades lighter than Oshan, his dark hair closely cropped, his wings a blinding white colour, the filaments threaded through with warm honey, the same shade as his eyes. Eyes that were looking at Shoza with a kind of haughty contempt she usually associated with arrogant members of the gentry. Shoza felt herself beginning to panic, as words she was sure would likely be pulled out of her by the power of this place rose up her throat. She met eyes the colour of a fractured diamond, which have made the angel appear eerie and other, especially as her wings were a light grey that appeared to be dusted with diamonds. But she gave Shoza a small smile of encouragement. She was the most mortal looking amongst them, and if she'd been human, Shoza would have thought she had Southern Asian ancestry. Her skin is sandy brown, her mien are welcoming, her gaze curious. It is certainly a difficult situation, but a being as unique as yourself should not be destroyed, at least not so painfully as the others have requested, the friendly angel said. How gracious of you, Shoza said sarcastically, the words out of her mouth before she'd even thought to censure them. Many would be honoured to be in your presence, be granted permission to to tread on our sacred planet, the arrogant angel began. Then have them come to heaven and take my place. I'm sure they're all warm and fuzzy as you will casually discuss my impending death. Shoza continued incredulously, the compulsion too strong for her to resist. You will check your tone when addressing one of the members of the Elder Council, he reprimanded. Anger hazed her mind and she couldn't care less that she speak only the truth. This arrogant, sanctimonious angel was going to get a piece of her mind. Well, excuse me. The elder council all immediately got to their knees. Joseph followed their gaze and saw nine individuals cloaked in light. 
Light was the only word she could think of because, like the sun, she couldn't seem to make direct eye contact with them. The power they wore like a second skin was too much for her mortal eyes to bear. Even the elder council were having trouble keeping their gaze on them. Shoza felt her knees buckle on their own accord, as though her body knew she was in the presence of true power. The nine made their way forward. Archangels, Shoza thought to herself. Oddly, she didn't feel afraid, despite the sheer pa- the f- force of power radiating off the nine in waves. Time seemed to freeze, and Shoza's mouth dropped open as one of the archangels took a step forward, separating from the group slightly. A golden hood lowered seemingly by magic, and the face that was revealed had Shoza standing to take a step forward. Daughter, mine. The archangel, who had the same strange shade of violet eyes that Shoza had inherited, said, and she reached out a hand, before, but before she could close the distance, the other archangel surrounded the woman again. Shoza looked for her mother in the group, unable to differentiate one from the other. You may live, Shoshana, daughter of one of the nine, the archangel said as one, their voices infused with so much power it was almost too much to bear, as if all of time and space was trapped within the words they spoke, and it took all of her will not to pass out, or worse, clasp her hands over her ears. The nine turned to Seth, and he inclined his head in some unspoken agreement. All the other members of the Elder Council unfroze, and time resumed once more. Elder Council, hear us, the Archangel said as one. Special care must be taken with this new member of our race. Dear Angel Seth, you may train her as your own. Her heritage shall be ne'er be questioned. That she has angelic blood should be enough for the general populace to accept her. The nine have spoken. So their will shall be carried out, the Elder Council responded in concert. The Archangels disappeared in a burst of light. Shoza turned, only to start, as all the members of the Elder Council stared at her in stunned disbelief. Somehow, she knew that what had just happened was monumentous. The Archangels probably never involved themselves in the decision-making process. That they had meant she wouldn't get swept up in her feelings, thinking that her mother would take her out for cookies and ice cream. Okay, that was pathetic. Clearly, she'd seen too many Lifetime movies. Higher Angel Seth, Shoshana will live with you until she settles into her training, the regal-looking angel said and she glanced quickly at the last member of the Elder Council, the one who'd been hidden in the shadows, but had leaned forward when the Archangels had ported in. He was looking down at Shoza, the angular panes of his face hinting at an Eastern Asian heritage, had he been human, but there was nothing human about this angel. He was too remote, too other. Even sitting amongst his own kind, he stood out. His eyes were a deep red, his wings the same crimson shade, but that wasn't what had Shoza staring, it was the expression in his eyes the deep sadness that seemed woven into the fabric of his entire demeanour. Her instinct sparkled to life, telling her to help him, that she had to No, she thought forcibly, pushing the feeling away. No, she was not going to be listening to that feeling ever again. It was less of an instinct and more of a call to the void. Our judgement is passed on you, half-breed, the regal-looking angel said, snapping shows out of her crazy delusions. You may wait outside, but know this, you are lucky to be here. Reflect upon this as you wait for your new mentor, Seth. Seth watched as Shoza stalked out of the room, her ability to resist the compulsion from the booth of, of truth impressive. It distracted him momentarily from the blistering and all-consuming anger he felt towards her, or more accurately, her mother. There is nothing more important than our sacred rules. Without them, the universe would fall into chaos. Words he'd regularly repeated as a mantra, words he'd shaped his existence on, spoken by someone who'd broken one of their most sacred rules. He gritted his teeth over the hypocrisy, and a part of him felt betrayed. How could she have lied to him for so many centuries? She could 
How could she expect him to help her cover up the origins of the half-breed from the entire planet, including the Elder Council? The Archangels intervened, Gabriella said, her voice quiet with implications, her diamond's eyes wide with scandalised shock. Who do you think sighed the half-breed? She went on, breaking the silence she had created. Must be someone of power or they wouldn't be keeping it from us. That was the cause of my astonishment. To keep it from the masses is understandable. But us, who must host her in our region? Matthias said, his reverence for the Archangel warring with his inbred sense of entitlement to know everything. Indeed, O'Shan agreed, and her stormy blue eyes travelled to Seth. But before they could uh, perhaps ask him if he knew anything, he said, Is it wise I live with her? If she is supposedly to become an angel, would it not be better to live with it in the trainee barracks? Supposedly? Gabrielle said, perplexed. The half-breed will undergo training and will graduate as an angel, same as you and I. The same, Matthias said incredulously. I would not go as far as to say so. No angel of good breeding will ever accept her. As you just stated, she is a half-breed. As for making her live with Seth, that is rather excessive. The archangels have granted you their favour by tasking you with any deed is, of course, an honour. But I fear most may see her only for what she is, an aberration. Any association with her, whether by choice or otherwise, will only have a negative impact on one's reputation. And Seth has not worked so tirelessly to remove the stigma of his past. Have his character questioned once again by associating himself with a half-breed. As though he'd ever agree with the judgment to not only spare the half-breed's life, but to have her live on this sacred planet. Stilled at Matthias's words. It hadn't occurred to him that he that the highborns would use this as an opportunity to question his past again. He gritted his teeth and he felt his ability that he always kept a tight hold over strain against his control. The thought of his companions that had been low, the low buzz against his shield suddenly increased in volume and he took a deep steadying breath as he took back control. The archangel's word is final, Ashon said, her voice hard. As always, I respect their judgment, Miss Hyer said, inclining his head. But let us not pretend this show's leniency will not be seen as weakness, which I may go as far as to say is tantamount to death on some planets. I am sure you are familiar with how the leader of Tan, a planet in my sector, is decided. Every five star years, the current leader is challenged to the death by any opportunist. Some say this is barbaric, but after the fight, the entire country adheres to the laws laid out by the leader. I struggled to get an ambassador there for years, but only when my warrior challenged the leader to a fight and won did they permit her in. Strength guaranteed peace that day. And Tan is not the only planet that elects rulers based on their strength. You are fond of catastrophizing situations, Matthias. Those are very specific planets that conduct themselves in such a manner. But I understand. Do you? Seth demanded. Consider the implications of what the Archangel's decisions mean. I know mortals will. Let us forget for a moment what the mortals will do and look to what angels here on heaven will think is acceptable. What other immortals whom mortality and rules are things to be broken and naysayed at every opportunity will do. Guardian angel Zachary has just confessed for all of sentient life to hear that he has broken a sacred rule and now a half-breed not only exists but has been permitted to live and stay in heaven and not a single person has been held accountable or has even been punished for these actions. He shook his head and paused as his ability strained, making him painfully aware of how close to the edge he was walking. He began to repair the damage his ability had done to his shields as he said, How can we hope to govern others when we cannot even govern ourselves? 
As I said, Ashon said exasperated, I agree for the most part with your grievances. How can you possibly agree? Gabrielle interjected incredulously, because I am at a loss as to how you can justify your statements when they reek of elitism and prejudice. Though we are the supreme paladins of the galaxy, many other planets have proven themselves time and time again as worthy of the title, like Valeria, Nual, and Evermore. It was the Earthlings that created the Galactic Federation, which most forget because we took it over from them and enforced the laws. I've always been adamant that an intergalactic, communicative, inclusive union will be better, rather than us dictating and ruling with what has become in recent decades something I would liken to an iron fist. The naivety of your statement is exactly why molly-coddled members of powerful angelic bloodlines should not be allowed. I hope you're not about to say that I shouldn't be allowed to sit on the council, Matthias. I have earned my right to be here, just like everyone else. And if I have to point out the obvious, you are also from a powerful angelic bloodline? Gabriella retorted. Yes, but unlike you, I have not been sheltered from what the universe is really like for much of my life. Spoon-fed fairy tales about the wonders of inclusion, so that my head fills with ridiculous notions like including lesser planets in our decision-making. That is enough, O'Shawn said, slamming her fist on the table. Gabby, you know I always appreciate your optimistic opinions, but you mustn't allow your empathetic abilities to rule you and become lost in your emotions. We do not rule with our iron fists, but Seth and Matthias are right. Some planets are only moral out of fear of what will happen. Maybe one day we can include others. But with the emergence of these new weapons that can kill immortals, now is not the time to include outsiders on how we guard the universe from harm. Precisely, Matthias said. Though I understand your personal grievances, publicly we have been tasked with supporting her, O'Shawn said, before she turned to Zaid. Hyrae Angel, you've been... Quiet as usual. Do you not have anything to say? I agree with Gabriella, Zaid said, his features hidden by the shadows he was clung to. He paused as he leaned forward. Punishing a child for the actions of their parents is grossly unjust. His gaze swept over the room. They landed on Seth for a fraction longer as he said, A child's life should not be ruled by what their parents choose to do or not to do. As for these weapons, we may have underestimated their power for too long. High Angel Garrison has called a meeting. I journey there with my legion, presently. He inclined his head before teleporting out. By the Archangels, Matthias said angrily. I didn't think. You never do. In your decorous speech you have insulted Seth, Zaid, and even the half-breed. For actions that were entirely out of their control, Gabriella said. Matthias turned to Seth. I only meant that. Being an orphan is somehow his fault, Gabriella interrupted heatedly. Is not what I meant, Matthias said at once. If I spoke out of turn, then that was not my intention. But you cannot deny that now that there is a half-breed walking our walls, the future of angel kind has been forever irrevocably altered. I understand your fears, but sometimes change is good, and fighting against it makes life harder, not easier. I hope you do not live to regret those words. Now let us join Zaid in this meeting, Matthias said, helping Gabriella from her seat. As do I. They both teleported out. I know what you are thinking, O'Shawn said. I know he apologised, Matthias comments. You think I care about the highborn or say about my past? Yes, I think that is all that is occupying your thoughts and guiding your actions at present. You have worked tirelessly to fashion yourself into one of the most powerful beings in all of heaven, shaken off your past so absolutely that most forget you are the youngest amongst us. You are no highborn, Seth, and I have always seen this as your greatest strength, not the flaw you view it as. The half-breed's presence here will not undo all you have done, or how people who have any sense view you. As Gabby said, it may even change things for the better. I thought you agreed with me. 
I do. But the idealist in me also agrees with Gabby. I felt your ability press into my shields earlier. You are angry. It is a reasonable reaction. One of your roles on the council is to hunt down wayward angels and bring them to justice. That whoever tr- side the half-breed is unnamed is strange, but the archangel's word is final. Ashan walked forward and put her arm on his shoulder as she said gently, I know you are afraid of seeming weak, but I fear nothing, Seth said coldly. Ashan stared at him, her gaze a little reproachful. As his old mentor, she tended to occasionally lecture him, but to he was no neophyte. As though reading his mind, she inclined her head, took a step back before teleporting away, stood for a moment alone in the hall. He took a deep, steadying breath. After several centuries, the mention of his past was still enough to affect him. A weakness he'd assumed becoming the youngest higher angel in heaven would cure him of. It hadn't. His parents and the rumours surrounding their disappearance and his involvement still dodged his every move. He checked his shields and confident his ability was well and truly under control. He walked out to find Shosa standing exceptionally still on the other side of the door, her gaze on the window. She turned towards him and the scent of cherry blossoms and honeyed apples washed over him as she approached. He could see the veneration mixed with fear in her purple gaze, a small hesitant smile on her full, perfectly sculpted lips. She tucked her unruly curls, the colour of warm chocolate behind her ear, the shade a little darker than her flawless skin that appeared to shine in the afternoon sun. She attempted to smooth out the numerous wrinkles in her trousers as she took a step towards him, as though it helped fix her dishevelled appearance. That she'd even stepped into the chamber of truth dressed so shabbily had not gone unnoticed by a few of the higher angels. He gestured for her to follow him before she could utter a word. Higher angel Seth? Warrior angel Wisty Low said inclining her head as she passed by. Her gaze turned curious as it travelled to Shosa for a quick moment. Her reaction was perhaps by far the kindest as they made their way to the higher angel apartment building. Seth noted the intense gaze Shosa received coupled with a few looks of disapproval and outright disgust which were directed at her. Shosa's stride never faltered. Her face was impressively impassive. Her heart beat steady. Her hand, he knew, on the switchblade strapped to her thigh. They were both silent as she was silently judged by others, and Zaid's comment about judging a child for the actions of their parents drifted into his mind. It was the exact words he told Seth almost four centuries ago, and one of the reasons Zaid had voted for Seth to join the Elder Council. It was hypocritical of Seth to feel angry at Shoza. He'd faced the same prejudice she was now being subjected to, but if anything it increased his fury, because this was likely what Salathiel would have banked on. Just another pawn in the Archangel's schemes. He heard Shoza's heart rate spike as a guardian angel gave her a particularly hostile glance. Her step didn't falter and her breathing remained the same. He glanced down at her, impressed despite himself. His anger at Salathiel warred with his sympathy for her daughter, who was blameless. He stopped in front of his apartment, opened the door. Shoza followed, her gaze watchful and alert. The door is coded for only a handful of trusted people, he said. As it is the archangel's will to have me mentor you, I shall add your name to the door. Seth turned to her, the fullness of her lips holding his attention for longer than necessary as they parted. To the left and up the stairs is my personal rooms, he said, looking away for a moment before turning back to her. Through that door is a kitchen and a dining area. He walked forward and veered to the right, to the spare bedroom. This is where you will be staying until you graduate as an angel. I'm sure we are both of the same opinion that the sooner that happens, the... He trailed off as her eyes went right. Graduate as an angel, she echoed, a confused look on her face. A title to be earned. But, but does that mean... Can I leave heaven when I become an angel? I won't be hunted. Her voice had dropped her whisper, her eyes shining with so much emotion 
that for the first time in his existence, he wished he could read another's mind. That seems too good to be true, she said, and the suspicion in her voice almost made him smile. You have not asked me what the training entails. She blinked a look of surprise passing over her features, and he questioned why he'd given such a response. Shoza. Shoza swallowed as she met Seth's midnight gaze. Hidden beneath his cool exterior was amusement. The higher angel was teasing her. She'd assumed that he wanted to have minimal contact with her, despite what the archangels had decreed, especially after almost every angel they'd walked past had looked at her like they wanted to push her off the numerous balconies that angels used as landing pads in the corridor. But now his stance was relaxed, his eyes expectant and full of male satisfaction. Male satisfaction. She'd been staring at him again. She looked away, her face burning, as if she'd never seen a face so beautiful it defied description. She'd met vampires, sirens, elves, Valencians, enchantresses, all who always ranked high on the universe's thousand most beautiful being list. Of course angels were always in the top ten, but they didn't hold the monopoly on inhumanly good looks. So why was it that whenever she looked at Seth, her heart sped and a desire so intense she refused to even acknowledge it raced through her? And it angered her her that he most likely knew how hopelessly attracted she was to him what do i have to do to be trained her voice came out husky and inadvertently turned her words into an innuendo he actually smirked and was about to say something when his brow frowned and he tilted his head to the left a little raised a single finger and a distant expression entered his gaze which shows a recognized as a sign of telepathic communication as he spoke she tried to get her body under control she felt futile with Seth's decadent scent making her body hungry to be spread out on his lush carpet and have his powerful body. This really wasn't helping. She wanted to take a step back, but then he'd know and a munitions part of her wanted to hold onto the little, if she even had any, self-respect left. So she did the next best thing. Having been trained by the master of assassins to show no emotion, she stood up straight and clasped her hands behind her back thankful that Seth couldn't read her mind so that outwardly at least it would appear that she wasn't affected by his magnetic presence. His gaze shifted to her as if he'd heard her. Hiya angel, she said her voice sounding overtly formal even to her own ears as she slipped into the punctilious demeanor she affected when dealing with the aristocracy. If it would not offend, may I ask a favour? A moment of perplexion touched his gaze. I want to go back to earth for my things, he continued when he stayed silent. We left, you kidnapped me in such an abrupt manner that I was unable to collect any of my belongings. It looked as if he was going to deny her request, his good humour replaced by the supercilious demeanour most powerful mortals defaulted to. You have five minutes, Seth said, walking towards the balcony. Thank you, she said, and thank you, Valerie, for insisting I take those etiquette classes. This was not the first time she'd adjusted the way she spoke and even the way she acted. One of the first rules she'd learnt from traversing the universe was to adapt to any given situation. He held out his hand and she walked forward, annoyed at the sudden feeling of breathless excitement and forbidden desire at being near him. Where do you live? he asked as she put her hand in his. It was clad in his soft black gloves and she wondered if it was a requirement of his rank. Every angel they'd passed had worn gloves of varying colours. The GC top floor, Shoza said, looking away. Darkness surrounded her as he spread his wings wide, the sheer size of them incredible, and despite trying to control her emotions, she gasped as he beat them once, twice. Exhilaration raced through her as they became airborne. They flew upwards out of the force field that kept others from teleporting directly into heaven. Her eyes grew round as she glimpsed heaven's skyline for the first time. She didn't know what city she was in, and it appeared like any other metropolis she'd ever, she'd ever been in, except, of course, as per the angelic way, everything was better. 
The skyscrapers were so high she wondered briefly if they kissed the upper atmosphere. Her eyes darted from left to right, soaking in the view, abundant with one agricultural wonder to another. How they had managed to blend modern buildings with ancient structures was anyone's guess. But the crown jewel of the entire city was a building that no one who didn't own wings could ever enter. Floating almost 50 stories over the ground, rotating like a miniature planet, and shaped like a Fabergé egg, could only be the Archangel's residence. Shosa shook her head in wonderment, her mind disbelieving of what her eyes were seeing. She was in heaven, flying with an actual angel. Not just any angel. Higher Angel Seth, her mind whispered. And she looked up, only to freeze. Seth was looking at her. No, he was staring. Electricity crackled between them. She couldn't look away even if she wanted to. Her lips parted and his gaze flickered down. When their eyes met again, Shosa felt her stomach flutter and the intensity of his gaze. Darkness filled her vision and Seth stepped away so suddenly that Shosa started. They were in her living room, having travelled light years in mere moments. The fear came then and she held on to it as a reminder that she was dealing with no ordinary mortal. She'd always heard that angels, just like everyone else, had to travel by spaceships to travel across the universe. But Seth was no ordinary angel. He was a higher angel, and he just teleported across space itself. Even true-born teleporters could only jump from planets within a galaxy, and they had to train for years to master that ability. I am a higher angel. Do not compare me with other mortals or even immortals that you have met, he said as though reading her mind. An excuse or a warning, she didn't know, and her gait was uneasy, her heart racing for an entirely different reason, as she quickly made her way to her bedroom, her bag already packed, her belongings as always fitting into one duffel bag, so she could make a clean exit at any given time, because of the fear of being discovered by angels, and now she was inviting one into her house. Her past self would be disgusted, of running, and she'd capitulated to her fate so easily. The GC hadn't gone more than five star days without a transmission, but now the building stood empty, all because of her. The sudden feeling of bereavement caught her by surprise, and she blinked rapidly for a few moments, before, but a few tears slipped past. She wiped her face roughly before she walked into the living room, and halted as she saw Seth peering at a picture she'd hidden between two books. He seemed too big for her flat, his wings swallowing almost all the space, his height nearly grazing the ceiling. She carefully took the picture under his watchful gaze before taking a deep breath and turning to Chase. She opened her mind just a fraction. She felt the sheer power that was Seth's mind. There was a lethal edge to it, and oddly her shields wanted to open further instead of shutting down, like they usually did when there was danger nearby. Putting that down to her general idiocy, when it came to all things Seth, she turned towards a plant that some planets believed were myths while others believed were untamable. Chase was a Sierra Nora, one of the rare sentient plants that was capable of communication. He was a deep green in colour, appearing more like a bromeliade, but far more dangerous. Exquisite gold flowers that mesmerised both mortars and immortals alike bloomed occasionally, and if picked could result in crippling fear followed by an agonising death. The antidote could only be found in the same plant. Many mortals had died before that information was discovered. The Sierra Nora was as infamous as it was famous, being one of the only two plants that had the ability to produce a serum that could save a mortal and a mortal from the brink of death. That was, of course, if you asked the plant nicely enough. Hey, Chosa said softly, stroking a coaxing finger along his plant stem that was over seven foot tall. If you want to come, then I would really like that, but you don't have to. This new place won't be easy to live in. Chosa stepped back and waited. 
Chase sent her an image of a nebula that shone with a deep purple intensity. He didn't speak in words, but emotions and images, ones that shows I had learned to interrupt. It took her a moment to realise that the nebula meant Seth. Yes, he will be coming with us, shows a telepath. A pause, then Chase began to shrivel until he stood a mere 30 centimetres tall. Picked him up. Thank you. She rubbed her cheek on Chase and he sent her calming emotions. I'm ready, Shosa said, walking back to Seth. Seth hesitated, his gaze on Chase, and Chase inexplicably began to open up his mind to Seth. No, you will absolutely not be communicating with him, Shosa said urgently. Chase complied, but Shosa was surprised to find that he was unhappy about the situation. Seth was staring at Shosa and Chase, and she offered no explanation as she hefted her bag over her shoulder. She stared back at him, her gaze indifferent, as her heart skidded at the prospect of flying with him again. She loved flying since she was young, jumping out of aircrafts, flying with small planes, anything to mimic the feel of what it would feel like to have wings. Darkness swallowed them as they left Earth and Shosa readied herself to be swept down to his apartment as she glimpsed heaven's skyline, but he teleported instead of flying them down and a small, clearly delusional part of her told her that he didn't fly because he was affected by what had passed between them earlier as she was. Chase agreed with her. She glared at him as she walked into her room, her new room, and set him down on the windowsill. She set her duffel down and was going to close the door when she saw a letter written in Levi's hand peek out of her duffel. If I may, high angel, what does the police detective working in the case know of my whereabouts? Shows his head suddenly, her tone overly formal again, as she walked back into the living room. Detective Levi of the Galactic Federation knows nothing of your true identity. Though why he would involve himself so suddenly in this matter was interesting, Seth said. You rifled through his memories, Shoza accused, trying not to allow the indignation. She was feeling colour at home. Clearly she failed because Seth narrowed his eyes. He cooperated fully, as did his squad. Some more than others, Seth said with disdain. Shoza felt her hand drift to her switch lace, but she stayed her hand. Seth would probably kill her before she finished unsheathing it. What does he think happened to me, Shoza said. That you fled like you have been doing your entire life. He was not surprised you left without warning. Shosa nodded, even as her eyes burned with tears. His answer did not surprise her. Immortals treated mortals like pawns, playthings, or worse. Why did she expect Seth to be any better? Because he was an angel? Because she was attracted to him? Shoshana. Her name on his lips seemed to undo all the anger she wanted to direct at him for robbing her of her life, and the sheer power of him, his decadent scent, wrapped around her, reigniting the desire she felt as he came to stand before her. She met his gaze, and the electricity she felt earlier between them came back with a vengeance. The butterflies in her stomach began to riot. He looked like he was about to say something when his brow frowned, and Shosa felt a chill walk up her spine as she heard the near-silent sound of wings beating. Hi, Angel Seth, a sultry and compelling voice, holding an almost musical lilt, said from the balcony. Shosa turned. It was the angel she'd seen with Seth at the GC, warrior angel Cassandra. If she'd been human, Shosa would have thought she had Korean ancestry, with her smooth olive skin, jet black hair that held echoes of the night, eyes the colour of emeralds and wings the colour of the forest in bloom. Cassandra would never be mistaken for a human. Like all mortals, she was shockingly, almost unbearably good-looking, with a body that could be likened to an Amazon warrior. She walked into the room with, a, with an ease and familiarity that told Chosa it wasn't her first time there. Jealousy threaded through her as Cassandra's rings touched Seth's, the action feeling like an intimacy for lovers. The warrior's emerald gaze was suddenly upon Chosa, her beauty and power almost blinding.
that you must endure the presence of that speaks of your fortitude, Cassandra said. It is the Archangel's will, Seth replied. For your studies, half-breed, Cassandra said, her gaze holding a visceral anger now, as she thrust a small electrical device resembling a tablet at Shoza. Shoza accepted the device, holding Cassandra's gaze for a long moment before looking away, the sheer power of her unnerving, and it made her realise that Seth, as powerful as he was, had to be masking his true power. It reminded Shoza of truly wealthy people who had money for generations and didn't need to flaunt their wealth as opposed to people with new money who were decked out in every designer label they knew. What did you learn from the meeting? Seth asked, gesturing Cassandra towards the balcony. The meeting with the higher angels, Garrison, yielded very little information on these weapons, Cassandra began, as she walked with Seth to the balcony. Shoza's instincts sparkled to life at the mention of the weapons and it urged her forward to listen, but another part of her... The overriding part was angry at this ridiculous angelic ability. It had only ever brought trouble, and for some reason it was so much stronger since she had arrived on this planet. But maybe that was its plan to get her here and imprison her. She was rooted to the spot, refusing to listen to the ability, feeling more mortal and mundane than she'd ever felt, gazing at gods as they spoke in low, intimate tones. She willed her feet to move quickly as she entered her room. No, not her room. The room Seth had been forced to give her. Calming emotions washed through her, and she was finally able to think past all the motions clouding her judgment. One thing was abundantly clear. She had to leave her heaven as soon as possible. Chapter 6. A Whisper in the Mind Xander fled out his wings, gritting his teeth against the pain. The deterioration was extensive. More than he realised, and his anger against the one who'd captured him reignited anew. Re revenge pulsed thickly in his veins. Hazed his mind for a long moment. It evaporated when Rashida and Fakna stepped into view. Rashida had been the one to restore most of his memories. When one was imprisoned on hell, their memories were wiped, and depending on the crime, they would spend eons caring for a crime most didn't remember they had committed. But Rashida had remembered, and she'd chosen to restore most of his memories, and despite not remembering everything he'd done, or what had happened, one name above all plagued him, and that was Seth. Fatima, another angel Rashida had restored the memories of, watched as Rashida walked over to him and placed her hands gently on his wings and fire laced through them, followed by a warm balm. You are growing stronger every day, Rashida said softly. But we are not yet strong enough, Fatima said, a small blade dancing in her hands. Her eyes covered her as she glanced at Rashida's wings. She was the only one of them who could fly. Xander raised the hand to stop Rashida's rebuttal. There is work yet to be done. Watch the doors, he said, nodding at Rashida, who took to the skies. He watched her for a moment snapping his wings against his body. Fatima melted into the shadows as a maid walked in. The family crest of a high-born house Xander was all too familiar with stamped on his uniform. He bowed low. Sire, I have the garment. The maid trembled as Fatima stepped out of the shadows and took the garment. She sniffed at it, then held a knife to his throat. If this is a trick, you'll die. It is not a trick, the maid stammered as his neck began to bleed. Without taking her gaze... Off the maid, Fatima threw the garment backwards. Xander caught it and closed his eyes. His ability weaker than even his wings, and a part of him raged against the weakness. But however weak he was, it wasn't enough to stop him making the connection. A smile spread across his face, and he opened his eyes. He dropped the garment and held his hand out for another. Fatima smiled as she removed her blade from the maid's neck. Sweat gathered on Xander's brow as he was given another garment, then another. By the end, he, he held ten minds within his own. He tried for another, but the connection wouldn't hold. But it was enough for now. 
What will you do? Fatima asked, her voice hungry with expectation, her pink wings flaring in and out as she paced. I shall whisper to them, Xander replied. Thank you for listening to that. That was the first half of the Galactic Confessionary. I will be doing the second half, the second extract, um, next week. And so please stay tuned for that. Follow me on my socials. I'm on Instagram, Creatively Anzi, and on Twitter, Creatively Anzi. And my blog, Chocolate is the Only Cure. Appreciate everyone for listening. Um, the Galactic Confessionary is a full-length novel, and I'm reading out extracts. Please support my project, The Silk Soul Warrior. I've got a crowdfunder. I will be putting the link to that below. Thank you very much for listening, and have a good morning, afternoon, or evening. Bye. <laughs>